0: of Days today. O Ancient of Days, Lord God, of all of heaven and earth, we bow before you, Lord, as your humble servants, and we want to just ask of you your blessing to lead us in this time of worship that we would worship in, in spirit and in truth. We would worship in a way that would be pleasing to you, Lord, we would worship in a way that When we walk out of this place, we would be conformed a little bit more into the image of Jesus than when we were when we came in. Lord, we know that's always your goal for us. Help that to be our goal for ourselves. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right. Please be seated. You know, uh, let me give you a little uh, what's what's happening in the life of the church real quick. Last night, did anybody notice a storm move through? Yeah. And, And so it blew out our south door in the fellowship hall. Well, our very faithful preschool uh, director, uh, Jennifer Metcalf, was here making some last-minute preparations. She was here all by herself. We get a group text, the staff get a, gets a group text, and it says, Is anybody in the building? Because I just heard a crash. And uh, no, and so Don comes up here, James comes up, I come up. Anyway, uh, long story short, the, the, the window got blown out, and I don't know, something must have hit it. There was glass everywhere and leaves everywhere, and uh, so if I'd had the, if I'd been thinking, I'd have said, "Well, Jennifer, just just go to our opening song uh, tomorrow." Though the dead of night overwhelms my soul, he is here with me. I'm not alone. So, but I, I don't think that would have uh, would have comforted her very much. But anyway, hey, um, please take um, take one of these these cards. It's a connection card. We'd love to. Uh, have a record of your attendance, especially if you're maybe a first or second time guest with us. We'd love to know you're here. And for the rest of us, there's an opportunity for prayer request and ask any information about the church. What does it mean to have a relationship with Christ, to be baptized, to join a church? And we'll be sure and answer all those questions for you, okay? So please, uh, please do that. Hey, let's continue to sing and, and just worship with this great old text. Uh, My faith has found a resting place, and that resting place is the Lord Jesus Christ. My faith has found a resting
1: place, place, not in device, nor green. green. I trust the ever-living One, His wounds for me shall. Jesus died, and that he died for me. My heart is leaning on the word, the living word of God. Salvation by my Savior's name, salvation through I need no other argument. I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me.
0: Amen. Well, when uh, Dr. Harrison, you're going to hear a little bit more about our guest speaker today, but when he uh, sent me his outline, I immediately went to this song. Um, My worth is not in what I own; it's not in, it's not in stuff, right? It's in Christ, and and I was thinking about the stuff that we own and how we need to just be careful about putting the right weight where the right weight belongs—the weight on the eternal things, right? So, listen to this: ten percent of American homes rent storage space. Um, There are 50 to 60,000 storage facilities around the United States totaling 1.7 billion square feet of storage. And we spend $39 billion storing our stuff that we use once a year or maybe don't use or don't need. $39 billion. So This is just a way for you to think about, let's think about the things of eternity versus the things of temporary. It's not a ploy for you to go sell your storage stuff and give it to the remodel fund, although you could. But just put the weight where the weight belongs. Amen? Okay?
1: My worth is not in what I owe. But in the costly wounds of love at the cross. My worth is not in skill or name, it
0: the Lord and ask Him, Lord, help me to put weight on the eternal.
1: I vow you fix my ransom p-
2: Good morning. Uh, Brother David, uh, that song fits extremely well with In Him We Have Redemption, through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins, and that will be next Sunday morning sermon. So that's as
0: a request for next week?
2: Yes. Okay. Yes, it is. We have been setting this time aside to pray for the nation, for our church, for the gospel going forth, uh, to win the lost, and so my heart in mind was flooded this morning with just the reality of how much we need uh, to be bold today. And step forward, uh, Proverbs 28, 1 says, the wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. I want to remind you of Ephesians 5, verse 15, says, see that you walk circumspectly, which means look carefully, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, buying up every opportunity. Why? Because the days are evil. And so now is not the time to stick our heads in the sand like an ostrich. Now's the time for us to, to live out our faith in our world. And I hope you will do that. Amen. Let's pray. Great God, we thank you for the access we enjoy. Lord, unhindered before you, all because of Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your advocacy on our behalf. We thank you so much that you are our advocate. And Father, we thank you for the access we enjoy. We thank you for the prayers that uh, have already been lifted to you, Sovereign King, this day uh, from our church body. And Father, we pray today that, uh, Lord, you would give us boldness to live. We think about Christians of times in the past. We think about the Hall of Faith in Hebrews 11. We think about the difficult days that many believers lived in Yet they carried the gospel to the ends of the earth. They lived their faith. Uh, even Enoch walked with God. Lord, we know that uh, James would remind us that Enoch was a preacher of righteousness. Lord, help us, uh, Father, to live in light of who we are in this world. It's one thing to belong to you. It's something else to start becoming like the God to which we belong. We need that. Lord, help us to live righteously in our day in jesus name we pray amen, amen. a few months ago uh well, probably a month and a half or so ago we were scheduled to have dr rodney harrison and if you remember he thought he had the covid virus i was down in alabama doing a wedding and he calls me and i'm like, oh my goodness so brother philip shuford uh, ended up preaching that morning and uh, i think I'm, I'm not sure who preached the second service but somebody did But uh, here we are now, and Dr. Harrison is back with us, and it's a joy and privilege to have him with us. His father is here with us, Mr. Byron, and I told him he was a back row Baptist, but because he got roped off, he had to move one seat further in. So uh, that's a good thing. But he's traveling uh, with his son, uh, Brother Rodney. Uh, Rodney uh, served at Midwestern Seminary for some 18 years uh, in the position of vice president and academic dean there at Midwestern. And he has his wife, Miss Julie, and they have three children. And what he has put the emphasis on in telling me this is he has 10 grandchildren. And that's where his emphasis is fine, uh, those are grandchildren. So praise the Lord for that. But most recently, uh, I don't know, how long you've been serving now officially? April, y'all, right, I'm on the Baptist trustee board, so I'm part, of, so anyway, April was when he became the official, the official title of Baptist home president, but he served on an interim basis before that, and he did such an incredible job, and his expertise in the medical field coupled with theology uh, made him a wonderful candidate, so he became the president of the Baptist home. You've got one right over here, right, there are four of those in the state of Missouri, and, of course, he is the president of the Baptist Home, and we're, we're blessed. Uh, he preached this morning out of 2 Corinthians in the first service. We'll do so again, and I think the Lord will challenge your heart uh, to not lose heart. What a relevant message this is going to be for you. So, Dr. Harrison, we invite you to come in just a few moments. <laughs>
0: commit to build our lives on the Word of God, on God's love, on God's sure foundation. Worthy
1: of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we We could ever ever bring.
0: I commit to build my life upon your love, upon your foundation.
3: Good morning, church. It is good to be here. This is the day the Lord has made, and let us rejoice and be glad in it. You know, as I worship with you, I'm noticing the Christmas boxes and just all that the church is doing in the way of helping support global missions. What an exciting time it is. A couple years ago, um, as a member of Lenexa Baptist Church in the Kansas City area, we're now part of Kearney, First Baptist Church Kearney, because we moved And uh, somehow or another, having a local church over an hour away is not a local church anymore. Uh, But it was just really encouraging. We actually heard testimony of a young lady from Russia who had received... She she was going through this crisis of belief in her life. And as a teenager, she was about 13 years old, um, she had been learning about... uh, religion and how religion was almost the opiate of the masses that kind of that socialist Marxist concept. And um, she thought, well if there really is a God, he, he would love me. And if he really if there really was a God, he would love me enough to give me some pencils, pens, and paper. Now, she didn't have anything. She was very, very poor. And she said if there really was a God, I, I would have pencils, pens, and paper so I could really write out my feelings. A shoebox was delivered to her with three things: pencils, pens, and paper. And that shoe box made all the difference in her life as she read the information that was included inside and came to a personal knowledge of Jesus Christ. And then had the chance as a 14-year-old to be adopted by an American couple. And so that's why she's here in the in the States. But you know, you just realize what God can do. Isn't God amazing? And, you know, we live in a world of confusion. I mean, frankly, there's a few people that since, uh, you know, the elections have been a little bit confused what's going on. Well, let me assure you that uh, confusion is not limited to politics. There's plenty of confusion related to the ministry I'm involved in. For example, when is someone a senior citizen? Okay, so for example, your kids will start calling you old and senior when you're about 45, Okay. The American Association of Retired People will let you join at age 50, and they start bombarding you with advertisements at 48. Burger King will extend their senior discount when you're 55, but McDonald's makes you wait until you're 60. (laughs) Social Security will let you start claiming retirement at 62, whereas Medicare makes you wait until you're 65, and we at the Baptist home call you Sonny when you're 78. And so, to clarify everything, I want you to walk out of here with some great clarity this morning. So, to clarify who's a senior, I'm going to take a page out of Jeff Foxworthy, you might be a redneck, by saying, you might be a senior. You might be a senior if your idea of a night out is sitting on the patio. You might be a senior if happy hour is a nap. You might be a senior if it takes longer to rest than it did to get tired. You might be a senior if you have more hair in your ears than on your head. You might be a senior if everything hurts and what doesn't hurt doesn't work. You might be a senior if at the breakfast table you're hearing snap, crackle, and pop and you're not having cereal. And you might be a senior If you sink your teeth into a stake and they stay there. (laughs) Well, you know, over the years, as a church planter and working with the North American Mission Board, and then later on uh, doing ministry, uh, itinerant ministry in the area of transitional churches, I have worked with many congregations, and I, I frequently hear something along the lines of the senior adults saying to me as the pastor, well, I sure wish the younger people would step up to the plate. I sure wish the, the younger families would get more involved in the church. And, you know, yes, there, there is a truth to that. We all believe that we should do our part. I mean, that is a part of it. But frankly, what many of them were saying, I, I really want to retire from what I'm doing because I'm tired and, and I don't want to keep serving and I've, I've seen that, and I've talked to seniors who, who feel like they're no longer able to do much or they don't want to do much. Well, here's a reality. Yes, no matter what the age, we all should be endeavoring to move the church forward. And so that applies to everyone in this room. But hear me, the Bible does not give the body of Christ permission to resign or retire. Okay? So that means if you do that, You're in disobedience. We cannot resign or retire from ministry. Now, hear me. You can retire from teaching. You can retire from farming. You can retire from construction. You can retire from banking and medicine. You can even be retired from being a senior pastor and getting a paycheck. You cannot retire from ministry. I'm privileged to have my father here today. And if I'm not mistaken, Dad, you've retired four times you retired from the university as a professor and administrator. Then you retired later on from Jeunesse Park as, I mean, from Arabian Horse Times Magazine as their managing editor. Then you retired from Jeunesse Park as the Baptist camp director in California. And then you retired from the uh, California Baptist University camp at Iowa. So that's four retirements, But what I want you to see and hear is my father and my mother have never retired from ministry. Bottom line is, nobody's sending them a paycheck from those organizations anymore, but they've never retired from ministry. And so this morning's message is entitled, No Excuse at Any Age. Because really, most of the time when I hear People talk about wanting the younger people to step up to the plate. What they're really saying is, I want them to step up to the plate so I can step back. And in reality, we need all of us on the front lines as we will hear and see this morning. And so if you have your Bibles with you, please turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'm going to start our scripture reading from verse 16, but we'll be in Second Corinthians 4. And for those that like to plan ahead, we'll also be looking at Ephesians chapter 5, especially if you've got those little ribbony things in your Bible, this is your chance to use one of those, okay? So hopefully it'll, it'll be useful there. In 2 Corinthians, Paul, the apostle, is writing a very personal letter to the church, and, and he has the right to do this. This is a church that Paul established, and in 1 Corinthians, he's having to address a serious drift of the church. They had, they had kind of adopted a lot of the, the culture of the world that they're living in. Uh, something like that is probably even happening in our own culture as we see many churches change. I mean, I, I grew up attending a Presbyterian church that was a, a God-fearing, God-honoring Presbyterian church, D. James Kennedy evangelism explosion. Wow, have they ever drifted. I don't even recognize who they are. They've drifted. You know, it's like, God, well, yeah, whatever you want to believe. You know, so there's a lot of drift. Well, that kind of happened at Corinth. There's this drift that was taking place. So Paul's writing this first letter. There's some other writings. But by the time he's getting to 2 Corinthians, understand, Paul has the permission to be very honest and transparent. Paul is also a little bit older And so in chapter 4, Paul explains why he continues to serve even though he's getting older, even though the afflictions from both without and within are becoming magnified every day. And in this passage, Paul is telling the church why he does not resort to excuses when it comes to serving the Lord. Follow as we read from God's holy word, beginning with verse 16 of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Therefore, we do not lose heart, but our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things that are not seen are eternal. May God honor and bless the hearing and reading of His Word. So in our text, the first thing we see is that God's word word is informing us of a very real danger, a very real danger. Paul states a very personal conviction in the plural. We do not lose heart. He is saying, I will never give up. I will never quit preaching. I will never quit teaching. I will never stop sharing the gospel with the word. As long as I have breath, I will serve the Lord, I will encourage the church, I will love my neighbors, and I will endeavor to honor God. No, I will not lose heart. And if you look with me now to verse 1 of chapter 4, Paul starts this chapter by saying and writing, therefore, since we have this ministry as we have received mercy, pause there for a moment, we all If you are here this morning as a believer, if you are here this morning having trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you, by the mercy of God, have been given a gift of grace. You have a ministry. You have a purpose, a service that God desires you to fulfill faithfully. So he says, therefore, since we have this ministry that God has given us, let us not lose heart. Paul is writing here in the plural. So in verse 1, just as in verse 16, Paul is writing to all of us. This is for every member of the church. He's sharing his testimony, but he's reminding us that this word of truth, which applies to him, applied to the Corinthians, and it applies to us today. This is for every member of the church, regardless of your age. If you are a believer, whether you are in seventh grade or whether you are 97, we have been given a ministry of service. Paul writes this for the church because, you see, if we lose heart, if we lose heart, Satan has won a battle. Now hear me, if we lose heart, Satan has won a battle, and put a period after that. End of conversation. If you lose heart, Satan wins the battle. Now, the war will continue to wage. God will ultimately be victorious, no question about that. But in that battle, you are now a wounded warrior, and wounded warriors are those who are sidelined in the battle. And here's the problem with losing heart. Wounded warriors are not a neutral asset drawing a military term. When I was in college, in nursing school, I uh, was trying to figure out how to, how to pay for school, and I succumbed to the radio advertisements of 1980 that said that I could live an exotic life by joining the Army Reserve and that they would help me with my education. And I will say they did help with the educational bills. So I joined the Army Reserve, and because I was a nursing student, they put me in the medical corps. And one of the things I quickly realized is that wounded warriors are not a neutral asset. For every person that is a wounded warrior, it takes two people in the background caring for them. So instead of having those three on the front line, what are they doing? They're sitting in the back having to be fed, cared for, time is given to them. You see, being a wounded warrior or being a church member who has lost heart is not a neutral asset. And so you're taking and redirecting essential resources from the front line. What are some of the essential resources for this church? They are the very items that Pastor Phil led us in prayer about earlier. They are prayer, discipleship, evangelism, going out and impacting our world. And when we're having a little pity party as a wounded warrior, we're in the back. Now church members are having to care for us. They're having to walk around on eggshells, concerned that they might say something, or heaven forbid, post the wrong word. Oh my goodness. Okay, well what happens is all of the efforts for prayer, evangelism, discipleship, that need to be expended are now being used to care for hurt souls and feelings. Wounded warriors are those who have lost heart and they're not a neutral asset. So Paul is writing to the church in the plural. Paul, me, you, the Corinthians, do not succumb to the real danger of losing heart. And my friends, it's tough. This world's a little bit crazy. Common sense is not that common anymore. And so we must Abide by God's word. This is the source that we need to go to. Anybody want to be absolutely protected from false news? Here it is. Okay, so let's not lose heart. So Paul starts by writing about a real danger. Next, he transitions to a relevant concern. So the real danger is losing heart but now let's get real. Remember, Paul is writing a very personal letter. He's now kind of opening his soul. And notice what he says in our text. He's, he's, he's saying, look, I'm, I'm getting older. And as I'm getting older, I'm getting tired. I'm kind of wasting away. In fact, as we look at our text, Paul is talking about the fact that his outer man is decaying. That's actually pretty transparent when you think about it. I mean, how often do you go around talking about the fact that, by the way, I'm getting older and kind of decrepit? In fact, some translations use the word perishing or decaying. All of these imply the obvious. Paul is tired. He is old. And ready for this, he's getting older every day. Newsflash, you're all getting older every day. Paul's writing to us. Because we're all getting older every day, and here's the thing, it catches up to you pretty quickly. I don't know why, but somehow or another, I I just realized the other day, I'm getting old, and this is kind of gray. Wow, when did that happen? Well, the bottom line is, Paul is talking about the fact that, in his case, it was a relevant concern. You know, not only was he getting older and tired, but now he's feeling it. And the reality is we're all getting older every day, but for some of us, it may be a sickness or a disease. It could be an injury that causes us suddenly not to be able to do what we were doing before. And if we ever tie our ability to fulfill our ministry with those type of externals, we've missed what Paul's writing about. So he's saying, here's a relevant concern. Yes, we're going to get older. Yes, we're going to get tired. Yes, we're all going to be wasting away, but I'm not going to get tired Of doing what God has called me to do. A pastor friend was asked on Facebook if he ever got tired of doing good, of working long hours, and of helping others. And I appreciated his response because he said, Well, yes, I do. I do get tired from doing good. I do get tired from serving God. I do get tired from serving others. But he went on to say, But I never tire of doing good. I never tire of serving God, and I never tire of serving others. I love that attitude. Yes, doing good is going to be tired. By the way, prayer is hard work. Yeah, if you don't believe it, for those of you who pray 10 minutes a day, bump it to 20. Those who pray an hour a day, bump it to two hours. You pray two hours a day, bump it to eight. You're going to find out prayer is hard work. Serving God can be tiring. Prayer can be tiring. Serving. But Paul said, I'm not going to give up. It's a relevant concern but I'm not going to succumb to that concern. What a great attitude that he had. Again, we may tire from doing good. We may tire from praying. We may be getting older. We may be less active. We may not be able to even begin to do the things we used to do. But that should not impair our ability to do the ministry that God has called us to. So Paul is sharing this relevant concern But he immediately, on the foothills of the relevant concern, goes to an encouraging reality. And the encouraging reality is at the end of verse 16, where he says, the inner man is being renewed day by day. What Paul is saying is, yes, I may be getting old, but my spirit is young. He was young at heart. Why was he young in spirit? Why was he young in heart? Because of the spirit's Inner renewing day by day. I'll tell you what, this day by day is important. And we're going to look in Ephesians 5:18 and kind of unpack this a little bit more using scripture to interpret scripture. So we, we understand these foundations because in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, a very familiar passage. Paul exhorts the members of the church at Ephesus, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Filled with the Spirit, as Paul used it, was this continuous action. It wasn't a one time thing. And he's saying the same thing to the church at Ephesus as he was to the church at Corinth. You know what? The solution to our challenges is that we need the Spirit's empowerment and indwelling. And in Corinthians, Paul reminds us that is a day-by-day activity. Now, let me be clear. Your salvation was a -a once-in-a-lifetime particular event. Now, I've met a few Christians that aren't just really, really clear exactly when they were saved. It was like... Well, I remember when I was eight years old, I asked Jesus into my heart to forgive my sins, but boy, when I was at that high school youth camp, I went forward and, 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 and I also asked Jesus into my heart. And then when I was in college, we had this campus crusades ministry, and I went forward again and I prayed, and they said, "You know, I know that God was at work all my life, but you know, which one was my salvation? You know what? Even if you're a little bit confused about that, there's no question to God. He knows the moment you were saved. You went from death into life right at that moment. And by the way, if you're not sure, if you're still here, well, hell yeah, I went forward at 8, and I went forward at 12, and I went forward at 18, and I went forward at 22, and I went forward at 36, and you're still not sure, I want you to come forward today. If you're still not sure, you come forward today, okay? Because here's the thing you should know. The Spirit will testify to us. But here's what Paul's writing about. Yes, we're saved once, but the indwelling and the filling of the Spirit, not the indwelling, He indwells us when we're saved, but the filling and empowerment is an ongoing process. Now, here's what I want you to notice about Ephesians 5. In verse 18, Paul says, be filled with the Spirit, much as at the end of 16 in 2 Corinthians, he says, be renewed by the Spirit day by day. But we have to go back to verse 15 to understand the context, In verse 15 of Ephesians 5, the Scripture says, Look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time. What's interesting is we see a pattern that is almost identical to what Paul's having to write to the Corinthians. I think because there is a tendency for us all in the church today to succumb to these challenges. So let's look at this pattern. First of all, there was a real danger At Ephesus. The real danger at Ephesus is that the church members would stop giving attention to their walk with the Lord and they would somehow or another kind of start on this wrong path. And that happens to churches all over and church members all over. They don't really hardly know that they actually got off the right path and they started veering and wandering. Then there is a relevant concern. The relevant concern that Paul writes about is that the church would start wasting their time not making the best use of their time. You see, Satan would love that, wouldn't he? Wouldn't he love you to spend all your time fighting with people on Facebook rather than fighting with the devil in the battle of evangelism and discipleship? He would love for you to do that. So he'll get you to waste your time, okay? He'll get you to do nice things, but not the right things. And then he gives an encouraging reality, the ongoing, regular, renewing by the Spirit. You know what? The solution to losing heart, the solution to going down the unwise path, the solution to uh, our getting older, the solution to wasting time is the empowering of God's Spirit. We need to renew and avail ourselves and yield ourselves to God's empowering Spirit. That is why we are here in worship. That is why we come here. We don't come here just to be able to spend an hour. We come here because this is where God has his church and his children come that we might hear his word, be challenged by it, and be changed by it. Yes, we may get physically tired, but if we come to him as his children and yield our wills to him, God will refresh and renew us each and every day, just as he did for Paul. Even though Paul was getting older, even though Paul was getting tired, each and every day he found a renewed strength to fulfill the ministry and purpose God had given him. And then finally, I want us to look at a weighty reference, a weighty reference. Verse 15 of 2 Corinthians, verse 17, 2 Corinthians, for momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond comparison. One of the modern translations renders the Greek in this passage, for our present troubles are small and won't last very long, and yet they produce a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. That's actually a relatively accurate rendering of this passage. So what we have before us is this comparison, this comparison of of our present troubles, and in Paul's case, he's already identified those. I'm old, I'm getting older, I'm tired, I'm kind of worn out. You know what? Those are the present troubles. But compared to what God has for us, that compares to nothing. As we heard in the illustration, I mean, think about all the storage space that people are using. How much of that are they taking with them? Nothing. Wow, what a contrast. So so here's what we need to understand. This glory that vastly outweighs our present troubles is, is just incomprehensible. Exodus chapter 20 speaks about this weight as well. This is actually a reference to Exodus 20, which for those of you that were in Bible drill would recall, oh yeah, Ten Commandments. And in the Ten Commandments, it says that we are to honor our mother and fathers, right? Honor our parents. That word honor means a weight, and that's what Paul's referencing. He said it's it's something that pleases God, So this weight of glory is when we please God by doing what he's called us to do. When we say, you know what, I'm not going to succumb to the excuses. I'm not going to just allow the excuses to sideline me. You know what, I'm going to honor God. Because if I honor God until my last breath, then I can be assured of the weight of glory for all eternity. The Baptist home as a ministry, we are a sanctity of life ministry. You know, it's interesting as I talk to people about it, uh, they they often think of the Baptist home as, oh, well, you're kind of like a nursing home, aren't you? Well, yes, we do have residential care. We have everything from independent living all the way to skilled level care. But you know what we are is we are a sanctity of life ministry. We are committed to the value, a value that the Bible proclaims and we as Baptists uphold, and that is the belief in the sanctity of life from conception to natural, natural death. And you know, a lot of the focus is given rightly so, on that right to life from conception. We are a people who believe we are for life. But you know, not a lot of attention is given to the other continuum, and that's what the Baptist home is about. And so we hope to be not only the providers of quality, Christ-like care, but also education and advocacy, supporting the sanctity of life, Why? Because this is exactly what Paul's talking about here. He's talking about the fact that there is a sanctity of life and a purpose that God has given us until our last breath, because that way when we go home, we can enjoy this weight of glory that God has prepared for us by not losing heart. Yes, our bodies are getting old. Yes, for some of us, we can't do what we used to be able to do. Pastor Phil I'm here, and we're actually going to be getting some exercise while I'm here, okay? Uh, For those of you who are not aware, this is opening deer season, and uh, Pastor Phil's on our board, and and bottom line is he felt sympathy for me. Uh, When we first met, uh, somehow the conversation of deer hunting came up, and I'd mentioned that I hadn't been able to harvest deer the year before or the year before. Maybe I'm a vegetarian, which is Indian for bad hunter. But um, the point being is, so he felt pity on me. And so we're here to do that. My father's with me. And uh, uh, the only one that is even more pitiful is my, my dad started deer hunting when he was 16 years old. 70 years later, he's never harvested a deer. Part of that is because most of those years he didn't hunt, the other part was he was in California. And there's not a whole lot of deer in the areas that we live. But the bottom line is, uh, you know, we're, we're going to get a little bit of, of exercise. Well, Pastor Phil said, oh, yeah, you know, I've got some of these tree stands, and I'm just going, you know, five, even 10 years ago, I would have been the first one up that tree stand. <laughs> so, do you have something like more ground level? <laughs> Why? I'm tired. I don't have the strength I used to have. I'll tell you what, the last, the last five years have kind of rocked a lot of that out of me. Cancer, other illnesses. I'll tell you what, I'm just not the same person I used to be, but guess what? That didn't change the ministry that God has called me to. What does it mean to do God's will even when physical limitations don't allow us to do what we used to do? The illustration I want to use and close with is... is all two illustrations. One is my grandparents. Um, I, I know my grandparents prayed for me from every day, every day since the time I was born. Think about that. I, I cannot begin to fathom how those prayers have impacted my life over the years. What I can say is I know those prayers have unknowingly guided me in my decisions over the years. They have provided unseen protection, and they have provided unknown hope during times of adversity. When my grandparents both went home to be with the Lord, my parents took up that mantle of prayer and continue to pray for me each and every day. They pray for our grandchildren every day, our children, their great-grandchildren. They pray for their pastor and their church and the Baptist home. What I'm saying is, even though I know my parents don't have the ability to do the ministry I observed them doing when I was younger, are they doing the ministry? Absolutely. You see, There are church members who somehow or another have thought they can retire. And now that they're no longer teaching the class, or now that they're no longer the youth director, they're they're just kind of sitting on the sidelines. My friends, that is not what God has called us to do. Sherry Snyder is the administrator of the Baptist Homes Arcadia Valley campus. And not too long ago, we had a, a a new resident that came in. She was a pastor's widow, and she was very unhappy with her children her grandchildren, and frankly, the Baptist home. She was not ready to be in a nursing home. Well, everything we'd talked to about her children and all said, oh yeah, she was ready to be in a nursing home, but she didn't want to be there. And so Sherry had this conversation with her. She said, well, as a pastor's wife, did you, ever, did you and your husband ever have to go visit someone that you really didn't want to visit? She goes, well, yeah. Did you ever have to go to a meeting or attend an event that you didn't want to go to? Well, of course, Did you ever have to teach nursery or a Sunday school class when you would have rather been in the worship service? Oh, many times. Sherry went on to say, well, you know, what I've found is that God, God often places us in places we'd rather not be, but where if we don't go, no one else will go, no one else will serve. She went on to say that here in the Baptist home, we have residents who are lonely, some are discouraged, many may not truly even be Christians, could it be that God is placing you here at the Baptist home to minister not in a place that you want to be, but in a place where He wants you to be? And You know, that conversation made all the difference in the world. Recently, we had one of our residents who was a retired pastor. He did not want to be in the Baptist home. He did not want to be there. But while he was receiving physical therapy he entered the conversation that's on many of our minds, what about the coronavirus? And the physical therapist said, oh, I'm scared to death of it. Every time I come into a nursing home, I think I might take it back to one of my children. I might take it them, and, or maybe I'll get the coronavirus. And and if I were to die, my children would be orphans. I don't know, I'm scared. I, I hate being a healthcare worker. I, I don't like this, and yet I, I need to make the money. And and she, you could just tell she was she was young, she was scared and insecure. And so, our resident started to share the gospel with her. She said, let me, let me tell you what God can do. And he started talking about the assurance and the hope and the confidence that we can have in the Lord. Even a confidence that said, you know what? Even if we were to die, God loves your children and we'll take care of them and God has a plan. And he started to share the scriptures, the Roman road. And he couldn't remember them. He's old. Remember, he's a resident of the Baptist home, not a staff member. So he couldn't remember the Roman road. And 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 here's the Baptist Home difference. And so he said, "Hold on a minute. I know who can help." And he called Steve Mosley, our chaplain. And Steve just picked up where he left off and shared the gospel. And there, at the Baptist Home, twenty minutes later, she prayed to receive Christ. The next Sunday, I was preaching at First Baptist Church, Chillicothe, and there she was in that service, having given her heart to the Lord. You know that is the Baptist Home difference. But isn't it also a reminder that God uses us even to our last breath? That resident's gone home to be with the Lord. What a memory of the fact that God used him until the very end. No excuse. No matter your age. Today, as we transition into the invitation time, It could be that you're here this morning and you're a little bit like that physical therapist. Frankly, you're not sure if you were to die today, are your children going to be taken care of? Will your life have made a difference? You're not really sure, would you go to heaven? Do I know that I'd be with the Lord? I'm not really sure what would happen to me. The Bible has the answers. The Bible tells us that we can know that we have God's gift of eternal life. And the good news is, that gift is one that doesn't cost us anything. It cost Christ everything. He paid for that gift. And if you'd like to know more about that gift, or if you'd like to maybe just come forward and say, today, you know what, I've been making some excuses. I've been complaining I'm getting older, I can't do what I used to do, and I'm I'm starting to think that I don't have relevant ministry. I'm going to ask that you would repent of that, that you would turn away from that thinking, and that you would apply God's Word, His truth, to the reality that He has given each one of us as believers a ministry and that there is no expiration date on that ministry. So as we respond to God's call, the pastor will be up here receiving you. If he is speaking to your heart today, respond. Amen.
2: All right, let's do just that. We've had been concerned about, uh, obviously, if you need to put a mask on to come forward, you can but let's uh, let's do that just for a moment David would you lead us
0: join with me and sing I have decided to
1: follow Jesus I have decided to follow Jesus I have decided to follow Jesus us. No turning back, no turning. Though none go with me, though none go with me, I still will follow. Though none go with me, I still will follow. Though none go with me, I still will follow. No turning back, no turning. My cross I'll carry, my cross I'll carry, till I see Jesus. My cross I'll carry, till I see Jesus. The cross I'll carry, till I see Jesus. No turning back, no turning back.
2: All right. Uh, you can be seated just for a moment. Uh, Larry and Linda McMurray, would you all stand up? I told everybody to sit down so we could put the spotlight right on them. But um, I'm sure most of you have gotten to know Larry and Linda. They're Lane's parents. And recently they sat down with me and we talked about salvation, about church membership, and they feel the Lord leading them to First Baptist Ozark. So just want to introduce you to our newest members here at First Baptist. They are taking our new members' class at the moment, and so we're honored to have y'all. All All right. I think they delighted in the fact that they didn't have to walk down front. They just got to stand where they are. No, seriously. All right. Uh, Now, I had something else in my mind, and I've forgotten. A couple things. What'd you say? That's exactly right, brother. That's what the sermon was about. As you leave, uh, you can certainly greet Dr. Harrison going out. Oh, I know what it is now. And um, if you have a question about salvation or God is dealing with your heart about anything, please, even though we're not technically having a traditional invitation all the time uh, because of the virus and stuff, you can see us going out. That would be great. Uh, In front of you, there are some Baptist home envelopes. And I would encourage you as your pastor to give to the Baptist home. We have the opportunity to hear from our president, the Baptist home. It's an incredible ministry. And so uh, take one of those envelopes and uh, designate a check to the Baptist home. I know that would be extremely welcome for them and a a gracious act from our church body, okay? Uh, So please do that. And if you run out of envelopes, just write Baptist home over the top of our normal envelope, okay? And just give it as you leave, all right? Next Sunday, we'll continue through the book of Ephesians. My goal is to preach two sermons on... Uh, redeemed by christ in him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins that leads down to verse 10 so next sunday and the last sunday of november we'll be talking about uh, the benefits from christ that are given to us as his children and then in the month of december we'll take a four-week sabbatical from ephesians and we'll talk about the incarnation in the with the advent candles so look forward to that all right god bless you glad you were here today
0: Blake, come and share some news about Christmas with us. And as you're coming, just to clarify, two sermons next week or two, two sermons in two weeks. Okay. <laughs>
4: okay. Hey Pastor, you know, I've figured out why you're serving on the Baptist Home Board of Trustees. You got your a room waiting. No, <laughs> 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 yeah, no, that's a good place. When, uh, when we bought our, our house in July, uh, I told my wife the next move is the Baptist home. So that's, that's <laughs> where we're going after that. So anyway, maybe sooner than later. Anyway, in your seats today, you found a, a, a form that looked like this. It said FBCO missions. Uh, inside of it is a green sheet. I wanted to, to take just a moment to explain the green sheet uh, with you. Um, every year, if you've been here for a number of years, we always adopt families at Christmas through our Sunday school classes and uh, this year we're gonna change things a little bit different. Uh, least of these changed things, so we thought we would change things as well. So um, it's in an ever-changing world. But instead of uh, individual Sunday school classes uh, adopting um, uh, families, we're gonna adopt 20 families um, as a church, and those 20 families are ones that have come through our clothing ministry, and so we have uh, hand-picked them and uh, invited them to, to be a part of our Christmas. Uh, On December the 19th, we've invited them to come and have breakfast with us. And uh, uh, the preschool children and students will have activities and events uh, specific for their age group. But uh, the parents will have breakfast with a host family from our church. And they'll sit at a table and just enjoy some fellowship time with them. They'll be able to shop after that. Uh, we'll wrap their gifts and send them home uh, from there. And so it's a different looking Christmas this year, but it's a, it's a way that we can connect with families that we're already trying to connect with anyway uh, through our clothing ministry. So there's a couple of ways to be involved Um uh, we always, will, we, we need gifts to be purchased. You can purchase them yourself. There are two links on the screen page, uh, one from Walmart, one from Amazon, that we put a wish list together. You can go on and uh, um, buy those uh, items yourself and either bring them or have them shipped to the church, or you can uh, take a yellow envelope and uh, just put uh, giving Christmas on the envelope and I'll go shopping for you online. <laughs> I, will the, I will not go to the mall, but I'll go online for you. And so uh, there's ways that everybody can be involved. And so you may be asked in the next couple of weeks to either help with breakfast or to uh, help wrap presents and those kind of things. So uh, ways to serve coming up, but we need to get these gifts bought and purchased and on their way. And so if you want to be a part of that, you can do that. And so you don't have to bug your Sunday school teacher. Are we, when are we going when, when to adopt that family? We're going to adopt them all as a church. So there you have it.
0: All right. As we dismiss, let's stand together and recommit. I will build my life. I will build my life.